going on, everyone? Welcome on into another episode of Golf on Tap. As always, I'm Jack Bushman, joined by my good buddy Ross Barron. Today, we'll be getting into Hideki Matsuyama's incredible back nine to snatch up the trophy at the Genesis Invitational. Also got to talk about Tiger Woods's chaotic Friday afternoon, Jordan Spieth getting DQ'd, Scotty Scheffler's ice-cold putter, and then we'll also wrap things up by talking for a brief moment about this week's 2024 Mexico Open at Vedanta Vallarta. If you haven't done so already, to everyone out there, make sure to jump on into the YouTube feed of this so you can interact with us. Go and post your comments as to the thoughts following the Genesis Invitational. If you got any picks that you're super high on going into this week in Mexico, make sure to go and comment down below those as well. And also for those who haven't heard also, uh, we are now on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. So if you're regularly tuning into the show, make sure to go and show us some support there. It really does mean the world to us and helps us grow as we're trying to do week in and week out. So please take those two seconds to go and do that. Uh, Ross, my man, an incredible final round to the Genesis Invitational. And it felt like it was a little bit needed for the PGA Tour following some unfortunate circumstances, I would say, in the last couple of weeks. Torrey Pines, the Sunday, didn't really produce that electric of a leaderboard, not discrediting anything from Mathieu Pavon, but wasn't the most exciting Sunday to finish that out. Pebble Beach gets cut to 54 holes. The Waste Management Phoenix Open was an incredible finish, but it happened to run into the Super Bowl. Ross, it felt like this Sunday was a little bit needed for the PGA Tour, uh, a starstruck leaderboard going into the back nine on Sunday. And like we talked about before, uh, jumping on air, we really had no idea who was going to come away with it for those last couple of hours. It winds up being Hideki Matsuyama. We got a lot to break down with this tournament, but I feel like we got to start with Hideki just uh, a ridiculous final round to go bogey free post the course record of 62 started the day six shots back. I think even funnier was following that round when he was uh, talking with Amanda Renner, he said it felt like a three over round, like just, just typical Hideki type of fashion. He's the kind of guy who, when he's letting one hand off of the club, you think it's going wayward. He ends up sticking it to like six feet. That's just the way he operates. But man, Ross, was it fun watching Hideki down the stretch on Sunday, bro? Oh, it was, it was absolutely incredible. I mean, th- th- that Sunday is something that they needed so bad after the past couple of weeks. And even after the first couple days of this tournament, <laughs> you you really lost a lot of eyes really quick in the first two rounds. And they needed something to pull together because, let's be honest, <laughs> it was not thrilling to a lot of people to see the end of day Saturday is – Patrick Cantlay is in the lead by three strokes by himself. It's like watching paint dry Yeah. when it it comes to a final pairing where everyone was basically going, please, anybody else, just anybody else do something. And you know what? Not only did Hideki absolutely blow up and go low, we had a bunch of guys make noise in the back nine, and it was just incredible to see where I literally changed my mind several times on who I thought was going to win the tournament. I threw out Patrick Cantley and Xander Shoffley, and I went, it's going to be anybody else right now. Yeah, you you described uh, people 
watching Patrick Cantlay like watching paint dry. That's kind of how he and Xander Shoffley also played on Sunday afternoon, did not play very well together. And what you would have thought would have been a very comfortable pairing. Cantlay just never really got it going. Xander had some life after he holed out from the bunker, but wasn't able to gain any momentum out of there. But yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, Luke List, Looked like he was on his way to winning this thing with the way that he played on the front nine. Uh, Adam Hadwin was another guy who went super low. He shot a six under 65 on Sunday too. Uh, Harris English was there going into the final round. Um, Jason Day, another big name there too. And then of course, Will Zalatoris had his name into the mix. Uh, Willie Z, someone who has good course history on this track and feels like it would be a perfect setup for him. But um, in terms of why I wasn't that interested in him in the betting market, I, I thought he could play well. I, I didn't envision him contending this early as he's only what I believe it was his fourth or fifth start uh, back from uh, the back injury that cost him the majority of last season. But Willie Z looks like he's in impeccable form. But uh, out of all of those outstanding players that uh, were in the mix going into Sunday, Hideki Matsuyama, I, I really uh, – it's hard to describe how pinpoint he was down the stretch. And those weren't easy holes that he was doing that on, too, to go back-to-back uh, -to -back the way that he did on 15 and 16 to stick both of those approach shots within a foot, uh, a tough up and down on 17 to make birdie there from behind the green. Felt like He chipped in at two as well from off of the green as well. It felt like every time he needed something to sink, uh, he got it going. And it was really fun to watch. And it had been a while for Hideki, Ross. This was actually his first win in over two years since the 2022 Sony Open. And I believe at that time, that's where uh, it was coming off of the year before he had won the Masters and he had also won the Zozo during that fall stretch as well. So it looked like Hideki was potentially on the cusp of like a world-breaking type of run there, but the game of golf can be funny sometimes, but really cool to see him back in the winner's circle, a very deserving champion. But yeah, lots of guys we got to get to here, Ross, too. Will Zalatoris, though, I think is the one we should talk about next because, and I don't mean this to like, throw you under the bus or anything, but it's just like, I think a reminder of how fast this turnaround has been. He got off to a poor start in his uh, first tournament back at the Sony open. And, you know, you just were voicing concerns about whether or not Willie Z would ever be able to return to peak form because a back injury is so serious and it can change your swing. And you were right to have those concerns. Um, I felt like he was going to turn it around, but even I, a huge Willie Z fan and a Willie Z backer all the time did not envision him uh, turning it around this quickly and going and contending at Riviera and just his fourth or fifth start back on the PGA tour. Really impressive stuff for us. My, my opinion of Willie Z has gone night and day in the past several tournaments. Cause yes, I, I was saying like, I don't know if Willie's going to come back from this because it's a back injury. Back injuries haunt people forever in this game. And it was, and one of my concerns that when you and I initially had that conversation was, he wasn't a little off. He was playing in the field with everyone where at that time, the majority of the field, when we were like having our conversation, most of the guys were like one or two over that were towards the back end of the field. And Willie Z sitting six or seven over. Like he's not even in the ballpark. He's like dead last by a mile and looked absolutely awful. And of course it, like you, you know, expect that it's not going to be a huge bounce back, but it's like night and day difference between the competitiveness versus the rest of the field and what he was putting out there. We're coming off the back injury. I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. And then all of a sudden, these past couple tournaments, he is just 
figuring it out. He's got the broomstick now. He's knocking it down. He's getting more and more comfortable weekly. And it was beyond impressive to see. And I'm glad to see him back because a few weeks ago, he had me quite concerned for how big he was in the game that I was literally going, oh, shit, I don't know if this is going to work. Yeah, and I believe in his uh, previous start to the Sony Open, it was at Tiger Woods' Hero World Challenge. Not an official PGA Tour event, but I believe, uh, if I remember correctly, Will Z had lost 20 strokes to the field in terms of like the analytics uh, at the uh, at uh, in Albany at the Bahamas. Excuse me. Um, so yeah, a, a really quick turnaround. And you mentioned he's using the broomstick now. That's something that I wanted to bring up as well. The ball striking, tee to green, Willie Z when he's right, even. At a smallish sample size, it really feels like he's only been a prominent figure on tour, one healthy for like a little over a year. Um, but we know him that to be the strength of his game. But the putter, since he's rolled with the broomstick, looks like it's been a nice little change. And that was the thing that's really kind of held him back a little bit were those little short range putts. There were videos that have circulated on social media of how wobbly his stroke was looking in the backswing, but he looks really calm over that broomstick putter. And I don't know what he finished the tournament with, but I know through three rounds, uh, he was one of the better players in the field in terms of strokes gain putting. And I'll tell you what, it's not quite Scotty Scheffler level. We'll get there in just a moment, but if Willie Z figures out the putter, uh, a lot of guys are going to be having to look out on the course. Oh, absolutely. Um, After this week with the field that he played against and the performance he put up, I am fully back in on Willie Z. The concern is not there anymore. Um, Just it's an unbelievable turnaround in such a quick time, because if you go back five, six weeks, I was concerned. I was very concerned that this was going to be one of those. Oh, shit. Someone taken from us too soon. Yeah. And. Man, it looked like Willie Z was right there in the mix until those final few holes. Uh, It just felt like Hideki had just captured all the momentum that was on the course and taken it to his side because down the stretch, he was really the only one that played well. I mean, Will Zalatoris kind of tampered off there at the end. Uh, Luke List is probably someone someone we should talk about for a second here too. And and a big reason why I want to bring him up is if you're a follower of golf or someone who bets on golf, you're probably aware of how good from tee to green Luke List like has been through his his entire career what's really held him back as well has been the putting in Ross this time last year at the Genesis Invitational Luke List had the worst putting short game display of his life lost 10 strokes to the field in both around the green and putting and then to go and turn it around and I believe in the first round he hold like 148 or 150 feet of putts that's another guy who it really feels like there could be unlimited potential if he figures out the putter because he is just a stripe show from tee to green and had another really impressive iron display especially on the front nine before he kind of faltered down the stretch there a little bit oh I mean yesterday watching Luke List there was multiple times in in the coverage where they they're sitting there and they're setting up like the approach shot on the green and they're and I think at the one point it was like Colt Nost was calling it and they're talking about well a lot of people just want to land it here and feed it down because it's really hard to go here if you make a mistake it's gonna roll off and then he sticks it and Colt Nost is just like well he went there 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, when you got that type of iron game, you could take on pins a little aggressively if you're feeling that confidence. And Luke clearly was feeling that confidence, even though he didn't get the final result, a, a really solid showing from him that has to have him feel positive about the direction that he's heading in. Because if he puts like that, he's going to find himself in the mix a lot more throughout the course of the season. Uh, Ross, we got to talk, though about what went down with Tiger Woods on Friday, right? The Genesis Invitational was captivating, uh, was a really exciting finish, but it was weird there for a little bit on Friday afternoon because uh, Tiger Woods was forced to withdraw. All of a sudden, you're watching the coverage and you see Tiger on a golf cart, and it's like, oh, goodness gracious, what's going on? And then what ensued was even crazier because they're, they're shooting shots of Tiger getting carted off of the course, his hands in his heads. It looked like he was emotional, getting choked up. Um, you, gotta, you figured it would be something that had to do with the back because following his first route on Thursday, he admitted to having some back tightness and caused him to hit a shank on the 17th hole. Um, and then he goes back to the clubhouse. There's reports of him being sick, which just looked a little weird considering how he was acting on the course. Then the fire truck gets there. The ambulance gets there. Looks like Tiger's going to get carted out of Riviera, ends up turning it down. We find out it's influenza. It was just a wild couple hours involving Tiger Woods. And Ross, I I'm really still not sure what to make of it exactly. Uh, I'll tell you exactly what to make of it, that this show now boycotts in and out forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I don't think Tiger was the only one who got messed up by it, potentially. Uh, Jordan Spieth was apparently having some stomach problems. Maybe the, the in and out got to him. Um, we saw Tom, Tom Kim, Kim have, yeah, having to make a drop to his tea time. They said there were, all, um, overall from all the players, they said that there was more than a dozen players that said they were experiencing flu-like symptoms over the next couple of days. And what do all of them have in common is they all ate the food that was presented to them during the tournament. Yeah. Um, someone else, uh, Patrick Cantlay reportedly wasn't feeling all that great and had a fever going into his final round of Sunday. Now, you know, I don't know if that is just something he said because he didn't play all that well, or if it's true, but it did feel like there was something going around at Riviera. So it, just a there weird was enough dynamic. There's enough to speculate there that I, I just, I just simply think they all got food poisoning. I think they got food poisoning. I think they tried to keep a nice public face because of the sponsor that presented the food and they didn't want to drag them through the mud, but realistically we, we know what happened. They all got sick from the food. They all had the same symptoms. They're all running to the bathroom. They're all not feeling great. Like it, it is what it is. Yeah. And, 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 and trust me, we're guys, we've seen that run and that look before. <laughs> you, you you know what happened to those guys. You yeah. know what they were experiencing, and you can't blame them. Tom Kim was uh, definitely the one that gave it away a little bit to me, watching him yes. just twaddle out, <laughs> to just <laughs> go running off to his tee box. But, yeah, I got to wonder if uh, – I'm not going to lie to you, Ross. I am a in and out Burger fan. Never been a fan of those fries. So I'm just going to go ahead and assume it was like maybe some gross in and out fries that were left out sitting for maybe a couple extra hours. I'm not going to go and diss the in and out burger. I, I won't support it here on the show because it might have cost us Tiger on the weekend had he played well enough. Um, but yeah, just a rather unfortunate set of circumstances all across the board. But if it truly isn't anything with the back for Tiger Woods, um, even though we said our, our one goal for Tiger, what would have been a victory out of him this week, would have been playing the entire 72 holes, and he didn't do that, which is, you know, obviously a tough look given that's been a problem for him ever since he returned. Um, 
dodging a back injury feels like it could be the second biggest victory coming out of this week because I, I really assumed that was going to be the culprit, especially because of just the way that Tiger was reacting on the course, man. That's the one thing that doesn't like sit right with me about him being sick. And maybe it just was the emotions of him having to withdraw from the event and, you know, having this built up comeback and him wanting to perform really well and show everyone that he still got it. Maybe it was all of that that led to him kind of having that little breakdown, but it, it just seemed a little bit odd. But if that truly is the case, you got to think uh, if he wasn't going to finish 72 holes, at least coming out of it unscathed physically is kind of the best thing we can ask for. I feel like. Yeah. And I have seen some rumors um, to today that I'm hoping are true because but also it does really make sense in re, in regards to tiger because of just such the short performance that everything being cut short for him i saw some rumors from people like dan rapport reaching out there the cognizant classic mm -hmm. uh, which is the former honda classic um is not going to have as much of a loaded field but is going to have still a, pr a pretty decent field there are a lot of people believing that Tiger may circle that event and enter that event to make up for the loss here at um, Genesis, that he really does want to work on his game. It's, you know, it's going to give him a little, there's going to be a little bit of a gap still because we're going to follow with the Puerto Rico open and then Arnold Palmer invitational and then the players. So realistically, this might be a nice one where we're, you know, you go about a week and a half, two weeks out, just go play cognizant, get your game, get your game routine in, and then we'll see you in three weeks at the players. Yeah, and obviously that would be a really good sign that it wasn't a back problem that forced Tiger to WD and he'd be feeling good enough physically because that event, not this week, but it's the tournament after. But yeah, I saw similar reports and I think it would make sense. Like you said, not as loaded of a field still looks like it's going to be a pretty good one. I know uh, Rory McIlroy is committed to that event this year and some other top players as well, but could be a good opportunity for Tiger to not contend against the best of the best on the PGA tour and, and feel a little bit more positive about where his game is at. Because truthfully, I mean, last week, was I think about as good as you could expect it for Tiger. He was clearly showing some signs of rust, but in a 70 man field where you're going against the best of the best feeling or uh, finishing T 63 or T 64, whatever he was before he had the WD probably didn't feel all that good for him. Um, but it's tough when you're going up against the best of the best and you don't have any form to go against. I feel like it could be a really good get right spot, both physically and mentally for tiger woods before gearing up for that meaningful stretch of golf, regardless what his schedule is going to be. We don't know if we're going to see him at the players or at Bay Hill or what it's exactly going to look like, but I feel like that could be a good get right little bounce back spot for Tiger Woods. So definitely something we're going to be keeping our eyes on. And if we get any updates on that before uh, uh, in the not too distant future, we'll be sure to talk about it next week as well, leading into the Cognizant Classic. Um, but before we move off of Tiger Woods, Ross, I think we got to mention uh, a little bit of a, a tidbit that I noticed on X earlier this morning as I saw uh, the Sunday Red page on X, which of course Sunday Red is what They've announced as Tiger Woods' new brand moving forward. Uh, they have removed their photo and looks like they could potentially be tweaking some things a little bit. And we discussed the announcement of the logo and the brand last week when it first came out. I think our 
responses were just better than what we expected because the bar was a little bit low in the days prior going out there, but sure seems like they've kind of recognized that it wasn't the home run grand slam knock out of the park that they were going for Ross. Yeah. I mean, they definitely got dragged for a while. Um, you know, the whole week was supposed to be set around building that launch um, along with the tiger co- coming back and playing None of it really went. It was a disaster. Like, it was a disaster. Yeah, it, it, it was a, it was complete disaster is a better word for lack of just total shit show. Um, and I, I think we're going to maybe get a little bit of a rebrand and we're going to revisit and maybe things will look a little differently when he shows up at his ne- next event, you know, whether it is cognizant or not, but yeah. it, it, it definitely, there's definitely something weird there. Yeah, enough of a breadcrumb to feel like something is getting tweaked with, and I definitely don't think it's for the worst. Uh, Hopefully what they come back, though, with, if this is, uh, in fact, what they are doing, if they are going with the change, will be a little bit better and something that I think more people can, as a collective, get behind, because it felt like there were a lot of people who felt indifferently, and as a whole, I didn't hear anyone who was really in love with it, so... Stay tuned on that. Just like everything with Tiger feels like uh, we'll be getting some stuff here in the next couple of weeks before the next big swing down in Florida kind of gears up. Uh, a couple other things to get here, though, get into here, though, from the Genesis. Jordan Spieth disqualified following his Saturday round for an improper scorecard, gave himself a three on the fourth. He actually ended up making a four. Um I think it's the dumbest rule, not the dumbest rule in golf. There's a lot of dumb rules in golf, but in the year 2024, I I get it's part of the game, but are we, are we really still doing this, man? Like it it just feels so unnecessary at this point. It's almost like these guys still wearing pants. Like, what are we doing? It's I I have had debates all weekend with, old school and new school personalities regarding this <clears throat> where I hear out both sides. I get, I get both sides that it's the gentleman's game. It's a gentleman's agreement. The rule has been in place to hold yourself to a higher standard of accountability. Every damn shot on the tour around the world is tracked and marked. These guys knew he got a four on the fourth hole before he even was able to recognize what he got. So basically when he goes to the next hole, they were aware his scorecard was wrong. And I think the big thing here is it's one thing if someone's like trying to blatantly cheat, I just don't know how you'd be able to do that on the PGA tour level in terms of writing down score with today's modern technology being what it is. And also can't like someone go and throw Jordan a bone there. Like, can't you have someone who's looking on like the PGA tour app and looking at the scores that have been recorded there to be like, Oh, Jordan, are are you sure you got that on this hole? Like there's one thing, if you're blatantly trying to cheat, which again, I understand that's what the rule is in place for. And the players are supposed to police themselves on the course, but I don't think anyone is going to accuse Jordan Spieth of cheating. And we heard that he wasn't feeling all that well himself on that Saturday. And he had just come off of a double bogey on 18, which you know, didn't take him out of contention. He would have actually had the same score as Hideki, I believe, going into that final round. But, you know, was probably running hot that he didn't give himself the best opportunity going into Sunday. Uh, I think he had to card his entire scorecard as well before turning it in. So he had to, like, go back and remember those 18 holes. It just feels like it's too complex of a process for guys who really 
can't cheat by writing down numbers in today's day and age on the PGA Tour. That's the way I feel about it, at least. Yeah, I mean, it's all track. There's official scorekeepers, meaning they they knew there was a discrepancy right away. You, yeah. you you can't you can't tell me that you saved it until after the 18th hole when he when he walks into the box and signs everything off. You knew at the fourth hole that something was off. You could have had a conversation that entire time. You let him play and then you DQ him after after the end of round two. When you you set you knew for 14 holes, you knew for 14 holes what you were going to do. Yeah. Do you think that rule ever gets changed? I think there. I think it's going to get looked at now. Yeah, I mean, I I think I think there was enough pushback, even from old school analysts and players. There were a lot of people I saw saying that rule needs to go. Yeah, that I, it was initially the gentleman's agreement, the gentleman's game, everything. When we didn't have computers and all that to track, that it's just it's silly now. We, we you can't. If you want to accuse a guy of cheating, you it's very easy to accuse a guy of cheating. Personally, the the one I think people need to pay more attention to is when the ball goes in the water is where the last line it crossed. That's the one that it's got to get checked because a bunch of the spots you see on TV are bullshit. There's no way that ball made it that far. That's that's a very good point as well. In today's day and age, we shouldn't be having those types of guessing games or leaving it up to the players to wear it crossed. And that's funny enough, like caused a couple of debates on the course. There was the infamous uh, Sung Kang and Joel Damon issue that went down. Man, that was probably like five or six years ago now where Sung Kang tried to get a better angle on a drop and Joel said, no way that it crossed there. I actually remember at the players a couple of years ago, Daniel Berger and Victor Hovland got into it a little bit. I want to say on 16 before you go to the Island green, but yeah, that's another rule that feels like what today's modern technology, what are we doing? Like you can definitely have an app that shows you where this thing crossed and the PGA tour has the money to do it. Like, come on, this is, these are things that are going to better the game and to withdraw a guy like Jordan Spieth after Tiger Woods uh, or to DQ Jordan Spieth after Tiger Woods withdraws. It felt like it was just a double punch to the gut because Jordan Spieth, that name alone brings so many eyes to Sunday. And it was a great Sunday without Jordan Spieth, but certainly wouldn't have hurt to have him to the mix as well, right? But, I mean, 100%, but also you did get a little bit of Jordan Spieth on Sunday because I don't know if you saw the X post, but I laughed my ass off where he congratulated Hideki, but told him before you go in the tent, double check your card. Did he really? Yeah. I didn't see that. That's great. Yeah. yeah. He, he congratulated Hideki on an amazing round, but he but but he but he but he told him double check your card before you walk before you walk in the tent. Now that you bring that up, I actually do remember that. Um, that was my second favorite part of Hideki's celebration. My first though, Ross, was Hideki's caddy Shota. Uh, just after Hideki finished the round, going full crisscross applesauce, watching the round, ripping the vape like any gentleman would do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was laughing. If you zoom in. We got a vape and a pack of smokes in, next to the vape. He was going double time, but also I was laughing. All the memes. My favorite one was uh, someone ended up doing the Lion King. The, that everything the light touches is now yours. <laughs> That's pretty good. I caddies, caddies who are still ripping darts or hitting the vape out on the course have my full respect. It reminds me of. Uh, 
when I think this was two masters ago. Yeah, yeah, fluff for sure. Guido uh, Migliozzi was out there playing the masters a couple of years ago and had some super Italian ass caddy was just ripping darts at Augusta. I'm like, dude, that guy gives no fucks and I'm absolutely here for it. That's hilarious. The the best, the best pictures are fluff ripping darts at Augusta to check the wind. Yeah. hundred percent going to ash that bad boy. See where it's going. (laughs) Yep. That's a man who's uh, been around a few cigarettes in his time. Shout out to Fluff for that good one. Last thing we got here from the Genesis. It's kind of become a weekly thing at this point in time, Ross, but it especially hurt me last week because I went and placed a wager down on him as the betting favor, which really limited me with the rest of my card. And boy, do I regret it. I really thought his ball striking was going to have him in contention. He had been showing some positive signs with the putter, even though it kind of let him down on Sunday at the waste management. Altogether through four rounds was still a positive performance for him. But Scotty Scheffler absolutely stunk at putting at the Genesis. It it was horrendous. The amount of putts that he missed inside of 10 feet those first three days, I just stopped tracking it on Sunday because I was sick of watching him stick it to 12 feet just to make par time and time again. It's it's truly gotten unfathomable how this guy can be so bad at putting and so good from tee to green. And it's not like it's just like one aspect, like he's really good with the irons. He's incredible with the driver. His irons are outstanding. His short game is elite. He's truly the best thing we've seen from tee to green since peak Tiger. The guy putts like me or you out there. He cannot putt to save his life. And it's gotten unthinkable that he's hasn't won a PGA Tour event, an official PGA Tour event, in nearly 12 months as we creep up towards the Players' Championship this year. I put this out on social media just watching Scotty while I was losing my marbles the entire tournament. Something's got to give at this point, Ross. I I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's going to the broomstick, if it's trying the pencil grip, changing putters, getting Ted Scott in there to look at reads. Something has to change because it literally cannot get worse than what Scotty Scheffler is doing. He was missing putts from two and a half feet consistently. It's unbelievable, Ross. I think the last stat I saw was Scotty Scheffler had combined to miss 16 putts on the week, 10 feet or less. <clears throat> and I have a little list here for you. I'm going to read off a couple players. I'm going to I'm going to just see if you can tell me what they all have in common. Matt Kuchar, um Wyndham Clark, Patrick Rogers, Grayson Murray, Adam Shank, Kevin Yu, Justin Thomas, Sepp Straka. They all stunk at putting last week cuz all those guys are team no putt. Um Every single one of them putted better than Scotty Scheffler did. And every single one of them missed the cut. Yeah, dude. It's, it feels like it's hit rock bottom with Scotty. And this was a crazy stat too, that I remember from his Friday round. And this goes to show you how bad of a putter he is. And also how good of a ball striker he is on his Friday round at Riv. He shot one under 70 Ross. His longest putt that he made on the day was four feet, seven inches. Literally anyone else, if their longest putt of the day on Riv is four feet, seven inches, they're probably shooting plus four, plus five at best. But Scotty, because his ball striking is so good, still somehow managed to fire an under par round while not making a putt longer than five feet. It's incredible. I, I, I'm losing my marbles trying to dissect it and how 
it feels like he's still going with the same putter. And, you know, every couple of weeks we'll hear the broadcasters be like, he thinks he's making positive progress with it. And he's just clearly fucking not. It, something's got to change here. Something's got to change. Well, I mean, you and I talked a little bit about, I mean, we can talk a little bit more in depth about it, but like with Rory in the booth, who I thought did a great job being yes. in, in the booth. I, I, I think he's got a future in that, by the way, when the game is done. But um, Rory was even taking shots at him because Rory finds it hilarious that as long as he puts like this, everyone's got a shot. Yeah. Quote by 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 Rory McIlroy that as long as Scotty Scheffler putts like this, everyone's got a shot to win on tour. The day he figures it out, they are all done. Yeah, it's literally full blown Happy Gilmore. Now you're all in big big trouble. Uh, or yeah. That's actually Billy Madison. I want to say, excuse me. I got my yeah. Adam Sand. I got my wow. Adam Sandler movies confused. I, I was in the golf state of mind. It's Billy Madison. Don't, happy don't worry, everyone out there. Yes, that's what I confused. Happy learned how to putt, and now you're all in big, big trouble. Both would apply to Scotty Scheffler. If he even is just field freaking average at putting, but he just can't seem to do that. I I don't know. Um, Even with the struggles in the putter, man, I still feel like Scotty's inevitable, but something's got to change. I I personally think he should just try out a new putter. It it legit can't get any worse or get Ted Scott in there looking at reads because whatever he's seeing just isn't right. His pace and his line are not matching up and he's hitting the ball off of the heel sometimes, which he likes to do with his driver, but you can't do that with the putter because you can't play a fade putt. Um, But yeah, man, a weekly occurrence here, Scotty Scheffler just continuing to cost himself a a run of a lifetime, a, a run that, we haven't seen since Tiger because week in and week out, he's still there despite beating being one of the worst putters on the entire PGA tour. No, I, I mean, it's absolutely atrocious. I mean, th- you and I were laughing together this week when they finally put up the stat that you and I mentioned every single week that first off, first off the tee, uh, sec or first on approach second to last in putting, and by the time you and I looked into it, we're like, oh, actually, he's dead last in putting because Benny on finished 300 today and beat him. And you want to know what's funny, too? We're dogging Scotty Scheffler here. He was last in the field in putting. He still finished T10 at Riv. It's yeah. unbelievable. It's unbelievable. With, with 16 missed putts from 10 feet or less. <laughs> it, it, uh, imagine if he. It's my if worst he sinks, nightmare. It's my worst nightmare if, when I bet on him. If he sinks half of those, he wins the tournament by four strokes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Un- unbelievably. So many good looks inside 10 feet. Will Scotty be able to make those? Tune in next week to find out because that seems like it's uh, what it comes down to every week for him. So we don't know when I probably, he'll probably be teeing it up next to Bay Hill. He's got a couple of weeks here to uh, tinker with it. We'll see if he does make any changes or see how he's looking when he comes out of it. But yeah, that club just continues to cost him legitimate opportunities to run rampage over the rest of the top players on the PGA tour. Um, Yeah, man. I think that takes care of everything we got from the Genesis. Oh, nope. Just one last thing. Mackenzie Hughes did want to give a shout out to the Mac daddy because out of all the on course player interviews that we've had over the last year, since they've been kind of doing this, I don't know if there were any better than Mackenzie Hughes. Oh yeah. No, I thought that was absolutely, I thought that was absolutely awesome. Just if anyone missed it, just go search Mackenzie Hughes on any social media platform. The video is 90 seconds, and it just brings you to what this game really means to a lot of people and where a lot a lot of players get made fun of when they truly say 
that it wasn't about the money or anything for me. A lot of players will get laughed at for that and would say, oh, yeah, the number just probably wasn't enough. Mackenzie Hughes, you can truly see that is not a thing in him. That is that is just not a part of him. That what he does right now, the opportunity he has right now, is everything he's ever wanted, and he is so gracious for what he has. Yeah, it was really cool to hear that perspective. Seems like a really good guy, Mackenzie Hughes, and had a even though it wasn't the best finish for him, a pretty good tournament on a course that you wouldn't like imagine kind of suits his breadbasket. Uh, but a handful of Canadians off to good starts here this season. I'm sure they're a little extra motivated as they're trying to make that president's cup team this season so that'll be a fun storyline to keep an eye on for throughout the course of this season but yeah i think that wraps up everything from the genesis invitational man like we said off of the top kind of a much needed finish that the pga tour had been missing the last couple of weeks and with an opportunity live golf having last weekend off as well it felt like it was kind of a uh, a momentum swinger back in the PGA Tours favor and one that they certainly needed. So really fun watching that and really happy to see that uh, even though Tiger wasn't there for it in person, his event produced another really good finish and another well-deserving champion as Hideki again fires the course record 62 on Sunday to go and snatch up that bad boy. Unfortunately though, Ross, we're not going to be carrying it over to exactly the most electric of fields or tournaments this week as the PGA Tour heads south of the border to Vedanta Vallarta for the 2024 Mexican Open. This is the third year in which this event has been elevated to the PGA Tour schedule. Uh, the last two years, it had been held in late April to early May. This year, they did bump it up earlier in the schedule, but after four weeks in a row of really good tournaments, two of them being signature events, uh, it's unfortunate for the Mexico Open, but as a result, naturally, the field is super underwhelming this week. And I think also in tournaments like this, especially one down in uh, Mexico, an opportunity for some internationals to go and showcase their stuff. This really shows how much the PGA Tour is missing kind of those international live guys that left like a uh, Sebastian Munoz or uh, like a Joaquin Neiman, Abraham Answer, those guys in that department. You really feel it in the types of fields uh, that we see in, a, in an event like this. Really lackluster. Tony Fee now the defending champion who finished runner-up in the Mexico Open debut on the PGA Tour is the only player inside the top 30 of the official world golf ranking that's teeing it up this week. He'll be joined by Nikolai Hoygaard, Emiliano Grillo, uh, Ryan Fox, uh, Thomas Dietrich. It's, it's nothing that's really going to be all that captivating to the audience, but we are hosts of a golf show after all, Ross, so... As the beat goes on, we'll continue to be breaking it down, and I'll be betting it this week as well. I've already got a, a couple of clicks in. My early ones were Taylor Pendrith, 35-1. to 1. I also hit uh, Jonathan Vegas at 66, Maverick McNeely at 70, and Sam Stevens at 100. Do got some interest at the top. Emiliano Grio is someone I've been riding for the last couple of weeks had his worst result of the season last week, but still was a T44 in which he gained strokes putting. And anytime Emiliano Grillo is gaining strokes putting, that's notable. He's played here each of the last two years, has a top five. Thomas Dietrich is a guy who's been knocking on the door. I think there's interest there. Nikolai Hoygaard has been excellent, really, since being a part of the European winning Ryder Cup squad. There are some intriguing names, but only really for us true like golf nerds or true golf betters. But those are the guys who have kind of caught my attention right off the rip. 
Um, one thing I will say about Vedanta Vallarta, it's a long course, 7,456 yards, places a par 71, lots of long par fours, lots of long par fives. We obviously only have two years of data worth going, look, looking back at, but bombers appear to do really well here, guys who are good with their long irons, and also guys who have just got experience on these coastal-style tracks, which feature past palm putting surfaces, which you don't see all that often on tour as well, so... Yeah, that's kind of my breakdown on Vedanta Vallarta and the reasons of why those guys are intriguing to me. Ross, I know, like like we said, it's not the most intriguing of fields, but you mentioned before we recorded there was kind of one guy who you were tabbing as you feel like would be a safe bet all across the board. Why don't you go and uh, reveal that to us right here, right now? Okay, so <clears throat> there's one person I, I do like all the way across the board, and that is for an outright win. Top five and a top 10. I think he has great odds where even if you sprinkle a little bit across, you're going to at least break even if not if not come in with a little in the bank. <clears throat> but a couple people that stood out to me this week before I get to him. One person, 28 to 1, Thunder Bear is coming off a big win on the DP World Tour oh, yeah. a few weeks ago. So Th Thorborn Olsen, yes, Thorborn trans translates to Thunder Bear. So it not only does he have the possible greatest nickname on the tour, but no, I I do like Thunder Bear. Um, just for the recent success and being one of those European guys to jump over right now, I I do like. I always like when a guy comes over after a, a win in the past few weeks, ride that momentum. This could be where you come and you grab some much needed FedEx Cup points. Also. Another one, he's been on the board for the past three weeks, three, maybe four weeks in a row up towards the top. This is a very good event for Jake Knapp to, to break through on. Dude, dude, I'm sorry to interrupt you right now. I was actually meaning to bring him up. I really like Jake Knapp's game and just going and looking through some of his data and what he did on the corn Ferry tour last year. Quick shout out to rickrungood.com for having all of the data from the corn Ferry store Corn Fairy Tour stuff uh, lets us know a little bit more about these guys who are fresh faces on the PGA Tour and the strengths of their games and what they've done to earn those results on the Corn Fairy Tour. Jake Knapp is a guy who is kind of good at everything when he's going right and also has the ability to really pop and gain like eight, nine, 10 strokes in event. Like when he's going right, he seems to be going really right. And uh, had, had a pretty good result. The waste management Phoenix open Jake Knapp is certainly someone I was thinking of betting this week. Really good call out. I like that a lot, Ross. Yeah. Especially at a 40, a 40 to one right now. Yeah. Uh, I, and, and how he's played, especially coming off corn, corn fairy and just trying to make his way on tour. He's made the most of his opportunities so far. He's made some good money. And I think with a limited field like this, this could be one of those events that Jake really breaks through and gets that first PGA win. And that leads me to my last player that since the show started, his odds have gone, have actually gone down. So there are other people that are, also that have him circled. I really like Hayden Springer's game. Really? Tell me why I get into it. I really like Hayden Springer's game. He has been hanging. He's been another one of those players that just kind of from T to green has stayed consistent running in the middle of the pack, but he's got, he's been in the signature events with the big field and he's just off the top 10. 
out of those top 10, those guys aren't there this time. So Hayden Springer, currently 150 to one for outright, sitting at 35 to one for a top five and sitting at 12 to one for a top 10. Yeah, that, I really that, like that call out. That, that would be something, you know, a little bit of interest with the limited field and the way he's been playing another up and comer off the corn Ferry tour. That's been pr pretty successful in the past several events and made some noise. I think that's someone you could sprinkle across the board if you wanted and you'll cover your, you will cover your money. I, I believe this week. I, I see a top 10 out of him. I really like that call. Not someone from near the top of the odds board whatsoever, but a guy you feel like has some good momentum right now could be playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And look, we, you know, joke about this event and its field, but it's still a really good opportunity for all of these guys, right? The winner still gets 1.5 million. Uh, you're trying to play into the Aon Swing 10 to get into the designated events that are in Florida in the month of March. Obviously, you get those FedEx Cup points. You get a little bit of job security. So still a, a massive opportunity for all of these guys. Um, and I do believe there's some guys on the corn Ferry tour that people might not be as familiar with that do have a really lively shot this week. Another one who kind of, uh, I've seen some love for, uh, this week as well has been Sammy Valamaki, who's been making cuts here recently. Someone who hits the ball a long way. Another guy who not a lot of people might be familiar with at this point in time, but someone who's got some pretty big odds that's been playing some decent golf. So yeah, there, there's a lot of those guys who you can still make intriguing cases for this week, even though it isn't the most elite of elite events. And you certainly can't compare it to what we've seen the last few weeks on the PGA tour, but another really good opportunity. And look, man, if there's golf going on, we're going to be talking about it. We're going to be watching. I'm going to be trying to make some money on it. That's just what I do here. But hopefully the uh, Mexico Open gives us some pretty good golf. I, I don't know how many people are actually going to be watching, but I know there's regulars out there who just go and click it on on Sunday afternoon. And, you know, for the sake of the audience, Tony Finau, I hope he is in the mix. Seems like he has played here well and has a really good fit for this course. So uh, hopefully it's intriguing and get some eyes on it because again, it's a really good opportunity for some young guys and a really good opportunity for fans too. I think to just get more acclimated and more comfortable with some guys who could be future stars on the PGA tour. Definitely. And I don't know if you saw, but it, it had me a little perplexed today that he doesn't come over very often, but he is growing in the game he made the he was he made the Ryder Cup. Bobby McIntyre is coming over for this, and they got Bobby McIntyre at one hundred and thirty to one. Yeah, no, I I did see that as well, and just straight off of what he's done in his career and. Uh, name value. I, I definitely thought about pulling the trigger on Robert McIntyre. I'm actually going and pulling up his recent data right now because I know when I went and did that this morning, I thought the same thing as you. I'm like, Bobby Mack, 120, 150 to one. Like those are really good odds for a guy of his caliber. He, he, has, not, and he has not been good lately. No, which, which I guess does add up because we typically, he rarely comes over. He, he usually is a fixture on, on the DP world tour. He's actually um, so he's actually would, been here pretty pretty uh often so far this year, but it hasn't been good. He was T fifty two in his debut this year at the Sony Open, missed the cut at the Amex, missed the cut at the Farmers, missed the cut at Scottsdale. It, it really though, one thing I will say about Robert McIntyre, and maybe this is a reason to give him some interest this week, it looks like it's really all been putting. He lost almost four strokes at Phoenix, lost over seven strokes at the Farmers, lost uh nearly three at the Amex. So 
look, past palm surfaces are just kind of weird and you don't really see them all that often. And because it is a resort style course, they don't really run all that fast. So it, it can kind of level the field a little bit from time to time when you just don't have greens where the best putters can kind of separate themselves. And the ball striking hasn't been horrendous for Robert McIntyre. He doesn't have a top. He had a T6 at the Qatar Masters, but other than that, it's been pretty shoddy for him since the Ryder Cup. But I mean, name value alone, Robert McIntyre is one of like the four or five names that people actually know in this field. Oh, I mean, that's a guarantee. But I I think this is going to be this is going to be completely reversed from what you and I normally say every single week, where every single week we review a field and an event and go, I think it's going to be one of these guys. And every week we've gotten screwed so far. And it's been an out of nowhere name. I think this is going to be the first event of the season where you and I can probably agree. I don't think it's going to be one of the guys you're used to. I think it's going to be one of the up and comers is going to come get this event. Yes. Tony Finau and stuff are there. I just feel like there's enough talent from like the corn fairy guys and the up and comers on the tour that one of them is going to come get this event and solidify themselves on the tour and get that first big PGA win. Well, I certainly hope you're right because I will not be betting Tony Finau as the outright favorite. And it would hurt me especially hard if the outright favorite does go on to win this week, a week after I bet the outright favorite as Scotty Shuffler. That would be just like a double punch to the gut for your boy. So I, I hope for that case you are right. But yeah, the, the year of the long shot kind of does continue, Ross. Hideki was actually uh, the lowest odds winner to win so far this season, and he, he was still up to 80 to one going into the start of this tournament. So haven't had a winner shorter than 80 to one in seven events now so far this season. It's unfathomable. Yeah, I I think we're going to continue. I think we're going to continue the trend. Um, I, I I don't, for whatever reason, I really like Hayden Christensen the way he's been. Hayden Christensen. You like Anakin Skywalker? I'm a big Anakin Skywalker fan myself too. Or yeah, you know, whatever. Hayden Hayden Springer. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, we 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 like we we like Hayden Spring. I like Hayden Springer, and then I really think this is going to be Jake Knapp's week. I really think it's going to be Jake Knapp's week. Man, I really like that call, and because you said that, I now like absolutely feel like I'm obligated to throw a wager on Jake Knapp because I even liked him going into this week. It's funny you say that because uh, as the tournament was coming to an end yesterday and unfortunately my cold streak continued, uh, I was texting my buddies in my group chat just getting ready for gear, gearing them up for Mexico next week. They're guys that ride with me every week. Shout out the boys in the group chat. I, I appreciate all of the support, even though I have been ice cold here as of late. Uh, Jake Knapp was someone I mentioned to them immediately. Jake Knapp was in that conversation for me. Um, so yeah, at 40 to one feels like those are pretty good odds. I got to see exactly how uh, I'm going to fit that in there because I kind of feel like this could be a really good Nikolai Hoygaard course with the way that he hits the ball and the irons have been really good, but I, I'm not officially sold on him, but I, I still got to do some tinkering and everything with my card, but it, it feels like I'd have some serious FOMO if I don't bet Jake Knapp this week. So probably we'll have some, uh, some money on him some way or another. Make sure to stay tuned, go and follow me on socials at Jack Bushman too, to see my finalized card. Ross, before we get on out of here, brother, you got any, anything we left off, anything that we missed at all, or we about cover it. No, I think we pretty much hit it. Just wild week. 
In and out ruined it for everybody, but whatever. <laughs> Goddamn in and out dog shit fries. Never again. Never again will I have in and out fries. To everyone out there, though, who tuned into this episode, just want to say thank you very much. And if you can, if you haven't done so already, make sure to go and follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify as we're really trying to grow this thing. Really does help us out tremendously and only takes you two seconds. So please go do that real quick. From yours truly, Jack Bushman, to my brother, Ross Barron. Thank you again to everyone who tuned into another episode of Golf on Tap. We'll go and see you next week. Oh, and by the way, if you do think of placing a wager down this week, if you're not already uh, signed up with our sponsor, Bet Rivers, make sure to go and use the promo code ONTAP to get up to a $250 deposit match. It's free money. Who doesn't love that? If you're betting on the Mexico Open, not already a member of uh, Bet Rivers, make sure to go and do that real quick. Once again, though, thank you to everyone who tuned in. Crack them, lock them, and we'll see you next week.